welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 11th of March 2012, entitled Waiting Before the Lord, and the Bible reading is taken from Psalm 130, verses 1 to 5. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I started to say, I promise, but I decided I better not. <laughs> My intention, okay, I can probably be more honest that way. My intention this evening is to be short and sweet. (laughs) And I know you're probably doubting that I can be either one of those, right? (laughs) But uh, that's that's the intention. I knew that uh, in preparing for today and asking for the Lord's direction, I knew that if, uh, of course, if, uh, if you weren't here this morning, then you'll just have to reap part of the blessing for those that were because uh, I knew that, boy, I was going to be packing a whole lot in a short time uh, for this morning's sermon. And uh, as I was praying and seeking the Lord, I had a couple of things in mind, and He kept bringing me back to this passage, and it really, it really is meant, above all else, just to be a word of encouragement to you this evening. Now, if you haven't been doing it, it could be a challenge that would later bring encouragement. Uh, but either way, I hope that it will be uh, an encouragement to you. Psalm 130, I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word as we read Psalm 130, verses 1 through 5. The psalmist says, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. Father, I thank you so much this evening Lord, for this time that you have given us to be able to come together in your house, Lord, I could never thank you enough for your grace and your love towards us and what you've done for us through Jesus Christ. We could never thank you for your word. Father, we pray now that as we meet together this evening, Lord, that you will take and help these words be made alive into our hearts. Lord, as you are here this evening, we look and we see the outside of these people, but we know that you see the hearts. You know the need of each one. Lord, I pray that you could take the simplicity of this preacher with the powerfulness of your word and your spirit and speak to each heart. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Of course, we'll look later as we get a sense. I can tell you this, that as David was writing this song, He knew what it was like to be under pressure. He knew what it was like to feel like the whole world was coming in upon him. I know sometimes in, in life that we live and there's all kinds of excuses for why that people do and say a lot of the things that they do. But one of the things that keeps coming out is stress, stress. People are under so much stress. The simple truth is, is that 
We live in such a fast-track society that we put ourselves under a lot of stress, under a lot of pressure. And, you know, I've heard it said not even from just a spiritual standpoint, but even from a worldly standpoint, that something like 90% of the things that we fear never come to pass. We spend our time worrying about all these horrible things that are going to go wrong and all these terrible things that are going to happen, and they never happen. The world, the world can see that in 90% of their worries. Where should that put us as God's children? If they can look and think 90% of what they worry about never comes to pass, we as Christians, simple truth is, is that as we look in this passage, there's something here, and I mean, I guess, you know, it's not hard to look at our text. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. What's one of the hardest things we ever do? Wait. Wait. <laughs> You know, again, I, I forget now what it was. It was in uh, uh, a, a couple of the conversations. May, may have been on the outreach yesterday. May have been somebody here today. But, uh, you know, people are talking so many times about the fact that, uh, you know, we live in instant times. We expect everything right now. Uh, I tried to think back as I was looking at this passage, and I asked myself a question. What was the hardest thing that you ever had to wait for? There was a whole lot of things that came to mind. I can remember as a kid, boy, I mean, every day I couldn't wait for school to be out, you know. And the day just seemed so long, but I was waiting for that. I can remember, you know, in high school, I couldn't wait for that last year, that last day when all of a sudden, all those 12 years, it would be over, it would be finished. I thought back and I remembered, boy, I can remember when I was in boot camp, and I can remember those drill instructors when they were standing about that far from my face calling me everything that they could think of and some things I'd never heard of before. I was thinking, boy, I can't wait for this to be over. <laughs> and we could go on. You know, it, it, it might have been college days. It might be work. It might be something that you're going through. But we've all had to wait. And sometimes impatience gets the best of us. I can remember the first time that I had the wonderful, glorious privilege of driving through London. And I'd never experienced that before. And my wife and I were just youngly married, and we were driving through London, and I can still remember to this day that trip around the North Circular Road. I lost count of how many times I must have beat that steering wheel, you know, just, just impatience because the traffic and the backup and we're, we're needing to get somewhere and time just isn't letting us go anywhere. We get in such a hurry for life to pass us by. But this evening, we can all think of all these different things that we have had experiences of waiting for and how hard they were to wait for sometimes. I can remember waiting for my wife to say yes after I asked her to marry me. I didn't think that yes was ever going to come. You know? She probably wishes sometimes it hadn't come. <laughs> but God willing, next Tuesday we'll celebrate 35 years, amen. And that's by the goodness and, and, and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want, to, I want us to think this evening, one of the things, because this is life, and we live such a fast-paced life, and we are used to things happening quick and fast and being so instant. 
that that transpires into our spiritual life so many times. And we want God to do something right now. We want it already done. We want to see it. The psalmist here is using these simple words. We know. He said, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. It's clear that because of the need that is in his life, that he knows of crying out from, to the Lord from the very depths of his being. I was reminded when I read those words of James's words when he says that it's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. If we're not careful, not only in this high-speed, high fast-paced life that we live, but also we live a life of automation. And if we're not careful, our Christian lives can just get on autopilot sometimes. We can go into our prayer time. We know that we need to pray. I mean, all good Christians pray, right? But we can get mechanical and just praying. We know we need to pray for this and that and the other, and that's good. I have prayer lists to remind me, to help me as I pray. But folks, just as everything else, when James said it's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, that's a prayer that comes from within. That's a prayer that has some passion to it. The problem is sometimes is we're not praying from our hearts. We're simply praying from our minds. The psalmist says here, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. I believe he's been praying that effectual fervent prayer that James was talking about. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? We're asking the Lord. We're praying to the Lord for whatever it is that it might be in our life at this time. But we recognize and realize, huh, wow, if the Lord's keeping track of our sins, we're in big-time trouble. And the simple truth is, is that it's one of those things in the Christian life that on the one hand, the Lord's never going to hear our prayers unless we come humbly, recognizing that we don't deserve anything. But yet at the same time, he says that we can come boldly. Why? Because of Jesus Christ and who he is. So on the one hand, we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to humble ourselves in realizing that we can't demand anything of God. It scares me sometimes when I see people today and I see them praying and making demands upon God because of who they are. Folks, the simple truth is there's only one reason and one reason only that I can pray to God with confidence, and that's because of who Jesus Christ is. We can go boldly because of who he is. The psalmist is recognizing here, boy, Lord, I've been, I've been crying out to you from my very depths. But boy, if you're keeping track of sin, who can stand before you? What chance have we got? But aren't you glad what he says there in the next verse 4? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. There is forgiveness with thee. You know, sometimes that works in two ways. Sometimes, sometimes we don't realize that when we go to the Lord, 
We may have been a Christian for 20 years or 30 years or 50 years or whatever. The sin issue still has to be dealt with, doesn't it? <laughs> you know, we recognize him for who he is, and we see ourselves for who we are. The world tries to teach us that we need to be in a position of looking at all the good in us, how good I am, and I'm, I'm really somehow at the core of all this. There's something inherently good that's there. Whereas the Bible says that we're inherently sinners, but there's something that's good that's in Jesus Christ. And we look to his goodness and not our own. They want us to feel good about ourselves. God wants us to feel good about him, about Jesus. And the simple truth is, is that while we are humbling ourselves, we are lifting him high. We are magnifying him. We are recognizing who he is. I have to confess to you that just as I look back in my physical life and I look at these times that I have often been impatient and just simply wanting to get on with it, that I think one of the hardest things in my spiritual life too is learning to wait. Learning to wait. That is so hard. You know, we want to get on with it right now. All too often, when God does give us the answer, and his timing is always right, and it's always on time. But you know, maybe you have never had to deal with this. But the thing is, is that Satan will come along and he'll try to tempt you when God does something grand and great because you have as a psalmist, you've cried out from the depths within you. You've humbled yourself before a holy God. You've thanked him for his forgiveness. You've gone to him in and through Jesus Christ himself. God is gracious. And then, boy, Satan's right there to tempt you into thinking, boy, how good it was that you deserved that. <laughs> You're such a good little Christian. You know that somehow that God has done this for you because that, well, you weren't as bad as all those other people were. That old thing called pride tries to raise its head in your life. The reality is, is that when that happens, it does one thing. It robs us of all the power that is there in our prayer life. That's what Satan wants. You think he doesn't recognize and realize and know how powerful that prayer is? You think he hasn't been around long enough to see the results of it, and if he can do things to hinder our life, to somehow get us to where rather than like the psalmist here, rather than crying from our inner being, crying unto the Lord not because we deserve something, but because of his forgiveness, because of his grace, because of our position in Jesus Christ, because of his mercy, and knowing that he's there for us because of that, not because of who we are. The psalmist is waiting in his humility. The only way that he can wait effectively, if waiting before the Lord is so very, very hard for us, I want to give you three simple things tonight that you'll miss out on if you're not willing to wait. If you get in too big of a hurry, you're going to miss out on these because just 
three things, and there's a lot more that we could find in the Bible, but three things that are important. If you're feeling, maybe you're feeling beat down. Maybe you're feeling tired. Maybe you're feeling helpless in a situation because you just don't feel like that you can accomplish what needs to be accomplished. The simple truth is, is that as the psalmist says here, we can go to him and he said, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in his word do I hope. Well, it's in his word that we have our hope that I want to give you just three things, three things that will come to you through waiting. You see, it's through waiting upon the Lord, waiting, not pushing ahead, not getting out there and doing it yourself, but through waiting upon him that you'll be strengthened. I want to read you a verse, and I'm, trying, I'm going to try not to preach to it because, man, I remember a preacher get going one time, and he preached a whole sermon on one word out of this passage, but it's a great passage. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 to 31, it says, He giveth power to who? To the faint. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths, with all their vitality, with all of their jubilance, the thing is, even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But, well, I love those buts. <laughs> They're, they're all going to fall. They're all going to be weak. All that's going to happen. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. You look at life. You look in the natural Even those that have the greatest strength and the greatest vitality and the greatest going power, he says, even the youths will faint and be weary. The young man shall utterly fall. But there is somebody that will have all the strength they need. They that wait upon the Lord. Now, this term wait, we found it in our reading, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait. It's, it's, it's interesting because we can wait in a lot of different ways. You know, I had to wait on that traffic in London, but I wasn't waiting joyfully. <laughs> I was waiting pretty impatiently, banging on that stern wheel, like that was really going to make them move a little bit quicker, you know. <laughs> the word here, I wait, carries with it the idea of waiting eagerly. Enjoy waiting? <laughs> waiting with anticipation, if you would. Waiting expectantly. You see, when we're waiting upon the Lord, it's not like waiting upon anything else in all the world. There are some things that we wait for with a good kind of waiting. We wait for something expectantly, eagerly, number one, when we have confidence that it's going to come, not when we doubt that it's going to be there. We wait expectantly. It might be somebody that we've been waiting to see. It might be something we've been waiting a long time, 
But the kind of waiting they hear is this, this waiting eagerly, waiting eagerly upon the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord. There's quite a picture here. Shall renew their strength. If their strength is being renewed, what's happened to their strength? It's failed them, hasn't it? You can't renew it unless it's gotten weaker, unless something has happened. You see, the thing is, is at that time when sometimes, sometimes we need to get to that position that we recognize and are reminded that we don't have the strength, that we can't do it ourselves, but we can eagerly wait upon him because we know that his strength is sufficient, that he will always be there. The Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Have you ever seen an eagle? I mean, a real live eagle? Have, have, have you ever been close enough to eagle when, when he spread out those powerful wings and just soared? That's why I heard a preacher preach a whole sermon just on that part. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Boy, you do a little bit of study on an eagle. He's giving, he's giving us a powerful picture here. I'm kind of glad, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit patriotic. You know that when the United States of America got their freedom from Britain and they decided to have their own motto and, and, and national bird and all this stuff, Ben Franklin wanted it to be the turkey. <laughs> I'm glad they chose the eagle, amen. <laughs> a symbol of strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. I want to tell you something. That is an awesome sight. Just a few years back when we were visiting the USA and not far from my home up in the mountains, there was a, a sanctuary there for birds that have been injured and whatnot, and they had several eagles there. And, of course, we're so high in the mountains that, you know, when they're soaring, you're actually looking down on them sometimes as they soar through the valleys. Folks, that's an awesome sight. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. I guarantee you one thing, that if you can get up there and soar with the eagles, you'll forget about a whole lot of those piddly things on the ground that have got you worried sick. This is a promise. What did the psalmist say? I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word, do I hope? Why can we have confidence? Why can we wait eagerly with anticipation? Because we know that the Lord is going to be there. And his word is what promises us that even when the youths will faint and be weary and the young men will utterly fall, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. I used to be able to run. I can't run so good anymore. I used to be able to run till I got weary. Now I'm weary before I run. <laughs> but running takes something out of you. You know, you get out there and, yeah, I can remember when I could, when I could run and clock up the miles. Now I run and clock up the feet or the steps. <laughs> they shall run and not be weary, though. I mean, stop and think about that promise. You know, you get out there and you run and you run and you run and you run and you're just not getting tired. You just keep running and keep running and keep running. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk 
and not faint. Sometimes we feel like just sitting down, don't we? Folks, I want to promise you this evening, sometimes in your physical life, in your spiritual life, I know we live in a fast-paced life. I know there's plenty of things that the devil would like to get your mind focused upon that you can worry about, that you can worry yourself sick, that you can get yourself down, that you can be depressed, that you can be weary. But I'm encouraging you as the psalmist here. He went to the Lord from the very depths of his heart, not because he deserved it, not because he'd done everything so perfect in the past, but because he was a forgiving God, a merciful God. I'm saying you can go to that same God with whatever it is, crying out from the depths of your heart. The words renew their strength. I don't care when you're feeling totally wiped out. He'll renew that strength. He giveth power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The psalmist also says in Psalm 27, 14, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait. I say, on the Lord. You know, it really comes down, the only way you can do this waiting, Brother Steve, the only way you can wait expectantly, excitedly, because you're anticipating good. You're anticipating it to be answered. You know why? Because his hope is in God's Word. Because God has promised to be there. There is no getting around that. It's we that get ahead of him. It's we that want to do it in our own strength. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Folks, sometimes you just, you need to be strengthened. But you don't need your strength. You need to have your hope in his word. Take the promises of God. Take them to him. And wait, anticipating that goodness from him. But we not only need to wait upon the Lord in order to be strengthened, we also need to wait upon the Lord in order to be schooled. Everybody likes to be schooled, right? You see, it's waiting upon the Lord that he will teach us. He'll teach us. Psalm 25 verse 5 says, lead me in thy truth and Teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. Notice these next words. Look at his context. Lead me in thy truth. Lord, lead me in your truth. Why? For thou art the God of my salvation. Because of who you are, Lord, I can't trust my way, my guidance, the way I would choose, Lord, I need you to lead me in your truth. Notice his next words. For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. 
On thee do I wait in all the day. Folks, I simply say, boy, do we ever need guidance. Do we ever need guidance in this life that we're in? We look around us. It is easy, and I've told you this in all kinds of ways. There's so much to get discouraged over. There's so many times that there's so much to look at and think that, boy, nothing that we do makes a difference. The devil wants us to feel sorry for ourselves. He wants us to throw up our hands and quit. I'm saying God knows. You see, God sees every horizon. God sees around every corner that you can't see around. He knows what's around there. He knows what lies ahead of you. God knows every trap that the enemy is going to set for you. <laughs> he knows every obstacle that's going to come in your way. And I want to say this to you. The devil trips a lot of people up. The devil wants to trip you up. But he won't trip up those that are being guided by the Lord. The Lord knows where the minefield is. He knows where to step and where not to. One of the things, I can never express it enough. Young people come up to time. They're finishing their school. They may be doing their six-form studies and preparing to, to go off to university or whatever. They're trying to decide, you know, where do I want to go with my life? What am I going to do with my life? Man, the big decisions. There's a lot of practical things to take in mind. But there is nothing, there is nothing that is more important than like the psalmist getting on your face before God and crying out to God from your heart and asking God to teach you, to guide you, to lead you where he wants your life to go. You can make all kinds of plans. You can succeed at so many things. But if it's not where he wants your life, it's not going to matter. You might be successful in the world's eyes, but you'll never be successful in God's eyes. You know, I go back and I think, and you know, it's, 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 it's hard sometimes to get people to understand. How many natural grown brummies have we got here tonight? <laughs> A few. Are, come on, you're not ashamed, are you? How many natural grown brummies are here tonight? All right. <laughs> Guess what? You're in the minority. <laughs> Most of us weren't grown here, but we've ended up here. And, you know, it's funny, people outside of Brummies, I, I, I used to kid because, you know, my mother-in-law, when our children began being born in the States, and they were talking with that good old southern North Carolina drawl. Some of you have heard my family talk, amen. <laughs> they were talking with that good old southern drawl. And my mother-in-law from Bournemouth thought, oh, man, you know, my kid's talking like this. But, you know, there was one thing, Brother Peter, when we moved to Birmingham, she said, God, please, don't let them pick up a Brummy accent. <laughs> She'd rather have the North Carolina one. <laughs> Did everybody hear that? <laughs> you know what? I'm losing track of time. Not, not tonight. It's still going to be short. I'm almost to the end. <laughs> 
Lose track of time when it comes to years, though. How many years has it been since 1989? 24 years. 24 years in Brum now. <laughs> and you know, the, the truth is, not many people figure out, why in the world do you want to move to Birmingham of all places? <laughs> we were talking about this at your house the other night, Matt. You know, why choose Birmingham, you know? I didn't. God did. I, I can tell you with absolute fact, folks, I love all of you that were born and bred here. <laughs> but Birmingham was not, it, it wasn't just that it wasn't at the top of my list. It wasn't even on my list. <laughs> my wish list, my places where I plan on spending my life and working and maybe retiring one day or something, Birmingham wasn't there. But I wouldn't have wanted to have been anywhere else. Why? Because I do know without a shadow of a doubt, I know it was God that brought me here. And God had a reason. God had a purpose, and unfortunately, you've got stuck with part of it, <laughs> but it was God's guidance without any shadow of a doubt. Now, I could have made all kind of plans. You've got to admit, even if you're from Birmingham, and I love Birmingham, there are some other pretty beautiful spots around Britain, right? <laughs> I could have chosen one of those beautiful spots, you know, <laughs> but I'd never been happy because it was a beautiful spot because God guided us here. Folks, we need to wait upon the Lord. We need to learn that our hope is in His Word, His promises, what He's laid for. We've got to learn to wait, not just rush ahead, wait, anticipating, knowing that He's going to be there, knowing that He's going to strengthen us when we need it, and knowing that He's going to teach us and guide us if we'll wait upon Him. Let him do it. He's got a path, and he knows everything, and I could not overexpress that. All the wisdom of man can't see around those corners in life that the Lord does. They that wait upon the Lord shall be strengthened, shall be schooled, and thirdly, shall be secured. Shall be secured. You see, it's the only place of real security. You can build up all your hopes on this world, on your efforts, on the things that you do, on getting out there and getting ahead and just rushing headlong into it and taking it all, and nobody can accuse you of not doing anything. But is it what the Lord wants you to be doing? You see, it's Him. Everybody's going to have battles to fight. If you're doing something for the Lord, now, I, you know, I don't want to encourage you to do this, but if you, if, if you don't want any struggles, if you don't want any battles, you don't want to have to fight against the enemy, then just sit down on the sidelines and don't do anything. Now, you're going to be pretty miserable sitting there. <laughs> You think it's tough fighting the battles? Try sitting on the sidelines. If you're doing something for the Lord, you're going to have battles. That's when the enemy is going to want to stop you. And you can lay out all your best plans and you can figure it out, but I'll tell you this. You rush ahead on your own. When those attacks come, don't blame God when you fall flat of your face. 
Don't blame God when it all goes wrong. The psalmist said, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. The psalmist says this in Psalm 59, verse 9. He said, because of his strength, because of his strength, will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense. Do you believe that this evening? Do you believe that God can give you all the protection that you need? I said in the beginning, this is a psalm of David. This psalm was written by David when Saul's men were watching his house ready to kill him. They had set up an ambush for him. Instead, instead of David's men going after Saul and his men, he turned to the Lord. And we have that verse there in verse 9 of chapter 59, because of his strength will I wait upon thee, for God is my defense. David was a king. He was a wealthy man. He had powers upon powers of soldiers that he could call on, that he could send out there to fight his battles. But David recognized that Saul had a lot of strength in his men. Maybe more than he had in his own men. But they were no match for the Lord. <laughs> the Lord was his defense. The world can come against you with great force sometimes. The enemy. I mean, he can just come charging in. But folks, you don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to fight your battle yourself. Wait upon the Lord. Let him be your defense. I want to read you something in closing. It's taken out of a book called Praying Hide. How many of you have ever heard of Praying Hide? <laughs> Never read it. You need to read it. Biography, Praying Hide. It says, At the Selkot Convention, the Europeans were accommodated in the dormitory of the Mission Boarding School, a long, narrow building, and our beds were placed so near each other that we had very little room to move about. The room was crowded between the services. My bed had been placed between Mr. Hyde and Dr. Griswold's beds, but I noticed that Hyde's bed had not been occupied at all. Hyde spent his time in the prayer room. But one morning he rushed in and went down on his knees by his bedside. This was in the early morning, soon after dawn. I went to have early breakfast and came back and found him still praying. I went out again and came back about 12.30 and lay down on my cot to rest and to watch him. I went to the afternoon service, then to tea, then to the 5 o'clock service, coming into the dormitory each time before going to a fresh service. At 6 o'clock, he was still on his knees and had been all day. And I had an hour to wait until dinner. I determined to watch him, and if he rose from his knees, I would ask him how it was possible for him to remain 
quite the whole day and to pray while there was so much noise around for people were coming in and going out the whole time and there was a, a great deal of talking going on. In half an hour or so, he looked up and smiled. I sat on his bed and asked him what was the secret of all this. I also asked him to allow me to get him a cup of tea, but he refused tea and asked for a glass of water. Then he said, let me tell you. Let me tell you what a vision I had, a new vision of Christ. His face as he spoke seemed to be illuminated. He had come truly from the secret presence, from the secret of his presence, and I shall never forget his words. They gave me a new vision of Christ. As he spoke to me, I could not keep the tears back. At the time, I felt that it could not be true, that Jesus had never suffered so much for me, but his hide lifted him up before me. I had to believe, and my heart went out to Christ in love and gratitude such as I had never felt before, and also in shame and sorrow that sin, my sin, had brought Jesus so low into such suffering. That vision of my dear Savior is still before me. How I wish I could repeat, how I wish I could repeat it as Hyde brought me step by step to see Christ that evening. You see, I don't know if you've ever been there that often, but folks, there's a very special place when you come face to face with God, face to face in prayer. This man was praying all day. What was it that the, the verse said there a while ago? On thee do I wait all the day. I don't say it bragging. I, I can remember as a youngster when, when we used to have prayer meetings at church that started in the evening and was still there praying when the sun came up the next morning. People praying all night long. I don't know if you've ever been in this place that he's talking about praying hide being here. That place when before the Lord in prayer, it couldn't be more real than if you were in the throne room. Doesn't matter what goes on around you. An earthquake could come and the building could, could shatter around you and you'd never know it because you're in the presence of God, praying with him, along with him waiting with him. You see, the problem is most of the time we don't wait on the Lord to get there. <laughs> we go in with our quick little, you know, I got to pray for this. I got to remember to pray for that, 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 because I got something else. And before we even start our prayer time, we're already thinking about whether we've got to get to bed or we've got to get to work or we've got to get this done or that done. And we're just trying to squeeze in this time in between instead of waiting on the Lord. That's why the topic of my sermon was waiting before the Lord, waiting before the Lord. Folks, the Christian life is not a bunch of big, deep, mystical, magical things. The Christian life is filled with simple things, the simple gospel that even a child can understand, but yet something that has to be applied to the heart. You can know it forwards and backwards. You can tell it to other people, but if it's never taken place in here, it doesn't make any difference. Strong Christians don't come because they went off and spent 14 years in some seminary somewhere 
but because they spent that time with the Lord. Whether it be at seminary or in their home or on the job, they spent that time with the Lord. Strong Christians come from spending time in God's Word and spending time on your knees. These are just simple, simple truths. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in His Word do I hope. Well, you can't hope in something that you don't know that you spend so little time with. I was talking with somebody this afternoon. I've had similar conversations with some of you before. You know, Brother Steve, one of the most amazing things, you spend a lifetime searching that book, trying to dig out word for word the, the beauty that is there, and you never get to the bottom of it. But the simple truth is this. I've never seen anybody lose their faith because they studied too much. <laughs> never. I've seen a lot of people deny the faith because they wouldn't read it, because they wouldn't study it, because they wouldn't genuinely give it a chance. But I've never seen somebody spend so much time in God's Word that they suddenly didn't believe it. I want to tell you, there's a great depth when it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You can't spend time in that book and your faith not grow stronger. That you understand with a new fervency all the time, that's God's Word. That's God's book. We need to learn to wait on wait, not only on the Lord, but waiting before the Lord. Every one of us as Christians, we need to wait before the Lord. You see, it's then that we'll be strengthened, that we'll be schooled, that we'll be secure. Waiting before Him instead of ourselves. Father, I thank you this evening, and Lord, I, I know these are very simple thoughts and deeds from your word. Lord, the idea in this fast-paced life and world that we live in, rushing about, rushing around, putting so much pressure upon ourselves because we've got to do this and we've got to do that, and we realize that life carries many responsibilities, and, and Lord, we're not talking about sitting back and being lazy and procrastinating and not doing anything. We're talking about waiting before you, being sure that what we do, that we're doing it in your strength, that we're being guided by you in what you want us to do and where you want us to do it, and that we can approach that knowing that we're secure because you're our defense. You're the one that's there to protect us. You'll keep the enemy at bay. Help us, Lord. Help us to be a people that will wait before you and, Lord, I would pray as always, though this has not been particularly an evangelistic message this evening, I would pray, Lord, that as we come together, that if there will be anyone here tonight that doesn't know with certainty that they have trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they have that absolute confidence because maybe they've never known a place of prayer like this. Maybe they've never known that confidence in your word because they've never taken that first step in their heart of genuinely coming before you as a sinner, seeking forgiveness that can only come because of Jesus Christ. Maybe they've never taken that step. Maybe they've done all kinds of things and learned all kinds of things, but they can't go back and remember a time when they just simply fell on their face before you as a sinner and begged for that forgiveness that was theirs in Jesus. Would you work in their hearts this evening? Help them not to have a false hope in something that's not true. 
Help their hope to be in Christ, in your word, in your promises. Which in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.